This morning, you guys are in for a treat, a treat. Christopher Peterson, our pastor over student ministries, is going to, is going to come and uh, bring the word to you. Uh, some of you don't even know this guy exists. We keep him cloistered in the closet most of the time. But um, he actually does exist. He, along with his wife, do a tremendous job overseeing everything from the babies zero all the way through college students. You may not know that, but listen, um, that's what they do. God has called them. If you were here for the Time to Dance recital on Friday night, you saw just a taste of, of what God is doing through this couple. He is a Great communicator, loves God's word, and he's got a message, a timely message as he comes today. So, man, give him a, give him a big hand clap. Um, we love the bow tie, the signature, Christopher Peterson. Love this man. Morning, everyone. I was way louder. Good morning, everyone. So, uh, Sharing. Um, Pastor Dustin got with me, I think it was about a month ago, and said, FYI, you'll be sharing today as they were vacationing with he and, and um, Jeff. So I was like, that's awesome. So I'm third string. So just right out of the gate, I just knew where I was at, third string. So here I am, third string, ready with the message. So you guys are going to be a rough crowd. I can see that already. My, uh, the, um, so I began asking the Lord, where do you want me to share from? And just right really out of the gate, I, I thought it was the um, story of Lazarus out of John 11. So that's, that's kind of what I knew. And then as I got ready this week, he began to give it some shape. And um, revival is something that we've been talking a lot about here at Newbridge. Amen? Right? So revival is what we've been talking about. And so that is kind of where I wanted to go was revival, yet the passage that God gave me, um, and we'll get there in a second, but for those who don't know, it's Lazarus, the dead man. So anybody realizing, okay, revival and dead people, maybe there's a problem there. So I began to pray that through, and that's where we're at. So hopefully there's some, um, some good meaning here. Uh, let me just quickly, uh, the reason for revival is we are here because Pastor Jeff had an experience with the Holy Spirit, and, and people began to speak over his life about revival in this area. And if you've heard Pastor Jeff share his story, that's true. And we're here because Pastor Dustin had much of the same kind of experience, right? God began speaking revival over his heart. And then about a year and a half ago, um, IHOP had their 10 conference here. It was to celebrate their 10 years. If anybody was there, one of the nights, one of the big nights, um, revival was spoken over our church celebrating someone else's 10-year anniversary. Again, our church. And then a couple weeks ago, Pastor Chad came, and what did he speak over our church? Oh, my goodness. You guys are going to be way tough. Well, it, wake, pinch your neighbor and wake him up. Ready? I'm going to ask the question again. A couple weeks ago, anybody awake during the service? Okay, raise your hand if you were awake. There we go. Awake. Pastor Chad spoke about what? Revival. I gave you the answer like three times in a row, right? Revival. So we're speaking about what, everybody? Revival. There we go. So let me just, Jonathan Edwards, um, real quick before we get into the message. Here was his theology of revival. And I think this will be very helpful. Just because it's new and different doesn't mean it's wrong. You guys may want to file that away as revival comes. You can't judge true revival by its effect on man's body. We can't assume the work, of, the work was not from God just because means were utilized. We can't assume the work was not from God if some people go to extremes. And we can't assume the work was not from God if some people do backslide. 
Here are some characteristics of revival. It raises the esteem of Jesus. Satan's kingdom suffers. Men and women will have a greater response to scripture. Men and women will see more clearly spiritual truth and error. There will be a new sense of love towards God and others. So those are some of the things that we get to look forward to in the next few weeks, months, years, because I know one of the prayers is that the revival that does happen will be sustained. That is really the heart of both Jeff and Dustin. So that being said, let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. We'll pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you for those words that have been spoken over our church. And even this week, I've been praying, God, what do you want to say? Give me the strength to say it. And how does the congregation need to hear it and give me the wisdom to speak it? And so as we come here today, I do pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just open the ears to hear, the hearts to receive. I pray that everything that's said today would be powered by the Holy Spirit, that would be centered in the cross, that would be said in the authority of God's word, and that would be pleasing to you, Father. I do thank you for this time. I thank you for this body. I thank you for what you've done and what we will soon experience. And I do it in the awesome and the powerful name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 So, if you have your Bibles, by the way, the uh, sermon title is Dead Man Still Teach. So we're going to learn some... You are really going to be rough. I've said like three times. Dead Man Still Teach, that is the title of the sermon, and it is about Lazarus. So, Principles of Revival from a Dead Person. It is John chapter 11, so please open your Bibles. You can follow along. There we go, opening the Bibles. Who got their Bible, by the way? Anyone bring their Bible? Raise your hand if you have a real Bible. See, I love that. Just so you know, one of my big things back there, uh, I do have the privilege of ministering to your children. We're big on real Bibles, so the cell phones are put away. Um, I'm just a fan of the real Bible, the Word. Um, I love mine, so again, uh, they're in their Word. If you have kids, get them a Bible and get them a real Bible, right? And let them bring it, encourage them to use it. I love it when it's marked up and um, journaled in. So here we go, John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with anointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. So the son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So we'll just stop right there. So we have Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And if you notice in the scripture, they are very close. So uh, truth number one, um, revival is going to happen when we are close to Jesus. Someone say amen. I mean, close. These are not just people who know about Jesus. And by the way, uh, this country is full of people who know facts about Jesus. But is there not a difference between knowing facts about someone and knowing someone? Right? So these people are close. And we're talking like vacation close. Because here's what the scripture does say. When Jesus was in that area, where did he hang? At their house. That's kind of how close. So raise your hand if you realize that when you do vacation with someone, you've got to be real close. 
I mean, if you're going to choose to use your very personal time with someone else, you're close. That is the kind of relation they had, right? Now, we need to know Jesus just like that. And we need to be at a place where we know him so well that when we are in a time of need, we call on Jesus. So at this point, notice Mary and Martha and Lazarus have done everything right. They send message to get Jesus and God does what? He says, God does what? Look in your Bibles, everybody. You got to stare at me. What? It's right there in your word. God does what? He says, gee, we are going to come in a couple of days. Now, just FYI, um, and it's going to uh, spell it out in just a little bit in the text. He was roughly two miles away. Okay, so I'm going to put that into some perspective. I did some research. Um, the fastest man has run two miles in eight minutes and 58 seconds. That's pretty fast. So then I, I Googled, how long does it take for the average person to walk two miles? This is what I, what I got. It takes uh, the average woman to walk leisurely two miles, 40 minutes. Now, it says women because men would drive a car, amen? I mean, I'm saying women will walk. A guy's like, no, I'm getting in the car and I'm driving because really I Googled that and it said women. It was very specific. It takes women 40 minutes leisurely to walk because men would drive a car. Uh, it takes a turtle. Thank you. You laughed at that one. I feel I'm already feeling a lot better. Uh, it takes a turtle, right? Um, eight hours. Okay. Eight hours. How long did it take the son of God? No, he said, I'm going to wait two days. By the time he got there, scripture says Lazarus was what? Dead for four days. So I want you just to, to stop for a second. Where do you think Mary and Martha were right there? Sends for Jesus, who, by the way, they are close to, they have a relationship with, they're in their time of need. They do the very thing he says to do. They call upon him and he says, yeah, I'm going to wait two days. And he shows up four days later. Okay. So I really want you to sit on that and think because there's a lot of truth in the Bible that we miss by just going over the words and not putting ourselves in the place. Who here is frustrated or angry? We'll get to that in a second. Who's hurt? Right? We're going to get to that in a second, right? The story of Lazarus shows us the harsh reality of God's timing. Ready? He is not in a rush. Who here is in a rush? I'm like the most rushed person in the whole wide world. God is not in a rush. He is eternal. He is much more concerned with the process. Say process. The process, not the time. Now, FYI, is there anyone in this place besides me who gets very frustrated in God's process? Yeah, very frustrated with God's process because it rarely moves in my time, right? We want things in a hurry. We tend to look for shortcuts. We tend to make uh, shortcut to make the process quicker, easier, and more comfortable. Am I? Am I? Am I right on that? Is that not the motivating factor of everything we do? Quicker, easier, more comfortable. That, that is our deal. God's not into that, man. You can't rush God's timing. Anybody here have kids? Yeah, I'm going to preach to some people in here right now in just a second, right? Here's how I know that you can't rush certain things. What time does church start? 
Oh, look, and no one's going to answer. What time does church start? 10.30. Anybody have any idea how many people I have back in the rock at 10.30? Yeah, it's like a pin drop. What? No, it's not us, right? Here's the deal. We can't rush kids. Trying to get kids out the door in a hurry, does that work very easy? No. Husbands, ever try to rush your wife when she's getting ready? How well does that work? So listen, if you can't rush kids and wives, who understands that the, all, the eternal, all-powerful, uh, self-sustaining God is not going to be hurried by us? You can push and try to rush him all you want. He comes when he wants to come, and he's ready when he's ready. Someone say amen. amen. Right? So you can't rush God. Right? You just don't rush the great I am. Now, we talked a second ago. Who thinks that they might have been frustrated? How about confused? In their time of desperation, they call on the one person who they know can help, and Jesus seems to be a no-show. Now, as it comes to revival, and we're going to talk specifically about what that means in a second, uh, sometimes in God's timing, does it feel like he's a no-show? Anybody here ever felt like God no-showed on him? No one's going to raise their hand. Come on, be honest. Really good. God just shows up when you want and you're never questioning anything because in your time of need, he's just right there. No one's lost a loved one or no one's had a sickness gone the wrong direction. No one's ever had those things. See, his timing will sometimes really mess with you. And we're going to learn why he's all right with that in a second. God's timing is not worried about difficulties if they will develop us. God's difficulties in life, if we allow, will oftentimes develop us. Is God not much more concerned about our development? Yes, he's concerned about our development. God's timing is not concerned with frustrating us as long as it refines us. Anybody here been frustrated by God? He's just not worried about that, right? Any kids have a parent who's not uh, worried when you're frustrated? Kids, no, your parents are never, yeah, I'm like, it doesn't matter, right? Because I know that what I'm doing is what? Refining and making them better. God's timing is happy to challenge us if it will bring about change. Now, can anybody relate to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? Anybody called on God, waited, waited some more, and then find yourself wondering, man, is he coming? What is taking so long? See, there are some who may feel like God has abandoned them because your situation has not changed. Your scenario has actually gotten, uh, has not gotten better. As a matter of fact, things keep getting worse. So, so you're like, where's the point? Where's the hope? And that's why verse four is so important because it says the sickness will not, the situation will not, the problem will not end in death, but God will be glorified. When we call on Jesus, the story is never over because who is in control? There, yeah, there we go. Who is in control? Very good. God is in control. And here's the good news. God is doing exactly what he planned to do. Under, who, see, here's the good news about a self-sustaining, all-powerful, sovereign God. He's always doing exactly what he wants to do. See, sometimes I think we have the wrong impression, right? You see the, uh, the cartoons where the devil and God are battling? Listen, it's not a battle. God wins. He's already won. He knows it. And here's the good news. The enemy also, also knows it. There's not this battle that we're like, oh, we know it's going to go. I hope it goes. It's done. And the enemy is well aware of that. He doesn't want you to know that. He knows it. He knows it. 
the battle, God is where he's supposed to be. And in that passage, Mary and Martha are thinking, man, he's a no-show. But what did God say right from the beginning? Just going to hang here because there's some things I want to happen. Okay? Some things I want to happen. So my um, word of encouragement, if you have felt like perhaps God has abandoned you in your situation, I'm just here to tell you he has not. And in this story, a dead man is going to be brought to life, and we're going to look at some principles on how that happens, and he has not abandoned you. No matter where you're at or what you're going through, it's absolutely going as his plan, and he wins, and you win. Amen? Oh, come on, say amen. amen. There we go. All right. That's why verse 4 is so important. God will bring revival, but he will do it in his timing. See, we can't rush it, and we can't force it, and we need to wait and be ready to steward it. Say steward it, because I know that's really Pastor Jeff and Pastor Dustin's heart. When God pours it out, because it's God who does it, we want to be ready to steward it and do something with it. Amen? All right, so let's skip to verse 11. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, will he, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. So then Jesus told him plainly, Lazarus has died. Now, I love the disciples' response, right? Shouldn't we let him rest so he can get better, right? They're simple. Any simple people out here? <laughs> I mean, th think of the scene. Oh, yeah, let's let him rest, Jesus, because then he'll get better, right? Some chicken noodle soup and a little nap and all is well because they missed the whole point. Is there anybody here who misses God sometimes? Where he's speaking, you like have no idea what he's talking about, right? He's right there with the disciples, and I love it because if I'm honest, I am very clueless on what God is doing often. Is there anybody with me? Thank you for raising your hand and making me feel much better. But I'm just being real. I'm like, what is he doing? And half the time I'm going in the wrong direction because I don't get it. And it's just good to know with the disciples that God's revival and what he wants to do is not dependent upon your understanding of what he's doing. Okay? It didn't stop what's going to happen from the fact that he was, they were clueless. He just politely corrects them. I love the truth that a sovereign God can accomplish his purpose and plans in spite of us, not because of us. He does invite us to be part of the process. He works through us and with us. But we can all take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath, everybody. Because here's the good news. He is bigger than our mistakes and our limited understanding. See, as we get ready to steward that which God is getting ready to pour out on this body over Newbridge, over you, over me, over us, the good news, this is good news, is that its success is not dependent upon getting it all right or understanding completely or perfectly what God is saying and doing. Listen, if we are going to steward revival, we got to get that fact. Because otherwise, we're going to shut it down with how we respond to things. You are not, we are not going to understand everything that God is doing. It's funny, we've been praying this last week, and that's one of the things Pastor Jeff prayed. He goes, I don't know what this is going to look like. I mean, he was just honest. He loves the word. He wants it more than anything, but he was just saying, I don't know what it's going to look like. None of us know what it's going to look like. But we got to be ready when it happens. Amen? And the disciples remind us, you don't have to know. You just have to what? Obey. So let's get ready. 
Because when God moves in power, we are going to be stretched intellectually, theologically, and spiritually. And the good news is we don't have to have all of the answers. We just need to have faith in the one who does. And so I'm just going to say this. God's going to get ready to do some stuff. And we can't let our limited theology shut down what God was doing because we said, no, that's not the way that's supposed to happen. Really? How do you know? Are you God? Raise your hand if you're God. Let's just this do real quick. Pastor Dustin, look around. I just want you to raise your hand if you're God. So we got no hands up. Thank goodness. That would have been an awkward hand up. No, you're not. Just put, it, put them down. Right? You, you're not God. So is God going to do what God does? Scripture says that his understanding is greater than ours, that his ways are greater than ours in Isaiah 55. You're not going to understand everything. That's why we must have faith. And for God to do what he wants to do in this area, you're going to have to have faith in the process. And you're going to have to let go of some things because no one here has all of the answers. We have to get this thing, we have to get through this thing together. Amen? But isn't it nice to know with the disciples you don't have to have all the answers? You can just plain miss it. And God's like, but I got them. And I'll explain it, and I'm going to be there, right? Just have to have faith in the one that does. Verse 15. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. I'm glad I was not there. Anybody got a problem with that verse? Does anybody besides me read the Bible and have some problems with verses? I got to be, I mean, I just got some problem. I think that's why David says, meditate on God's word day and night, because that kind of verse, you got to meditate on. Yeah, I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad he died. That's what he said. I'm glad he died. Really, Jesus? So you're glad he died. Your friend, the guy who put you up in his house, you're glad he died. Yep, I'm glad he died. See, God is going to do some things here. God's going to do some things in your life. God is going to allow some things in your lives, in your personal lives, here at church. And he's going to do it because he wants you to believe. What we know is important, but what we believe is what we will put into action. So let me just ask a question, ready? Who here knows that eating healthy is a good thing to do? Okay, All right, a lot of hands up. Who here knows exercise is wise? We know that, right? Well, who believes it? Be careful, because I'm going to ask you where you're going for dinner today, right? Because if you're going to McDonald's, who's eating McDonald's in the last month? Get your hand up. Okay, so you know that it's important. Okay, does everybody here know McDonald's is not healthy? I'm sorry, Larry. It's not. Liz, wait a second. McDonald's is good. Amen. And everyone should eat at McDonald's. Every time you eat fast food, it should be McDonald's. Here's the reality, though. Is it healthy? No. Right? So if you believe, it affects how you eat and how you exercise. Amen? You can know. That's great. But what God is looking for in revival is not just people who know it, but people who do what? Who believe it. People who live it. People who make that part of their life. We got a country that has plenty of people who know truth. God is looking for a body of believers. He's looking for a people that believe it. Amen? I mean, really believe it. And how do you know you believe it? You live it. You do it. 
That which you know now becomes truth based on your actions. So, when things don't make sense, believe. When things aren't going like I thought, ready? Oh, you're catching on. That's awesome. When things seem impossible, that's right, <laughs> believe. There we go. We must believe what God says. We must believe what he promises. Verse 16. So Thomas called Didymus. I'm just going to take a, this was preparing. I just had a thought right here, so I'm going to take a break. Um, we have a lot of young families here. We've been giving birth to a lot of babies. And biblical names, I think they're awesome, right? I mean, this is a free word from the Lord, I believe. If you believe in biblical names, I th go for it. Do not use Didymus. That's, that's my free one. So for you young families looking for a name for your son, you want to be a little different, do not use Didymus. Right? That, listen, I don't know what Didymus means in Greek, but in English it means bad driver. Because I'm just telling you, that's what I want to call the person in front of me that's going 35 and a 55. I want to call him a Didymus. Amen? So... That's just a free one. Don't. And listen, if you have someone who's going to use it, friends don't let friends use the word Didymus. Amen? Don't let them do it. Don't let them do it. There's other biblical names. So that was free. Just it had nothing to do with it. I just I had to get that off my chest. So Thomas, that's what I would have gone with, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, I love this. Because those disciples may have been clueless. I may be clueless, but they believed, right? They believed. How do we know they believed? Remember, they put things into action. That's what belief is. It says they were willing. They were going to follow Jesus no matter what the consequences because they believed in him and his promises. And in that scripture, here's what they thought. What, we're going to go to Jerusalem, but you're going to get killed. We're, gonna, we're all going to die. All right, if that's what you say, that's where I'll go. If we're going to, if you are going to experience revival, listen, if you're going to steward it, we got to believe and then we got to be ready to go, to follow and allow the Holy Spirit, the presence and power of God to direct us, to guide us, to lead us. We got to be available for what he wants. Amen. So here's going to be your challenge. Who wants, see, when, when Pastor Chad comes and says, man, we're going to do revival and, and big things are going to happen in this area. And we're going to talk about that as, as, as we continue on. But who's excited about that? I really am excited about that. Here's the reality. We'll see. I think God says, be careful because if you are excited, there's some things that you believe or think that you're going to have to lay down out there in the parking lot and do not even bring them into the building. Because uh, God's going to show up and he's going to move. And our job is to not understand. Our job is to be available and not sit back and try to stop that, which he's doing. You got to be careful about that because you're fighting against who? Who wins that fight? Really? I mean, he does. But listen, I'm simple. And there are many times that's exactly what I do. I'm fighting against God. 
I'm fighting against the very thing he's trying to do, and here's the worst part. I'm fighting against not only that which he's trying to do, I'm fighting against the very thing I've been praying for, that I've been begging him for, that I've been wanting. I'm like, oh, give this to me. All right, here you go. No, and I fight with him. That's crazy, right? But that's how we oftentimes operate, and that's why we so often miss it. We got to be available for what he wants to do, when and where, he wants to do it and how he wants to do it. Verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, they say that 70, 90% of communication is nonverbal. Anybody married? Is communication nonverbal? Yes. Body posture, eyes, tone say way more than the words. Amen way more than the words. And we got to be careful that we don't miss it. Mary and Martha did what? Waited four days and watched their brother die. We'll talk about that in a second. So it's important to understand, how do you think they came to Jesus? Was she happy right there? No. And you're kidding yourself if she was. I think I'll show you in scripture why we know that she wasn't, right? Lazarus was healthy and he died suddenly. That does not go well. And it involves all of the senses. No hospitals, no medication, no air conditioning. So you got a man who's doing all kinds of stuff. Probably got a fever, vomiting, diarrhea, the sounds, the smells, the agony. And was there anything they could do to comfort him? Now, there's no, there's no um, morphine, morphine drip or any of those things. He's just dying and he's dying fast and they're watching it. And every single one of their senses is happening. Now, how angry do you think they are when day two comes in and he keeps getting worse and they're looking out there, dude, where is he? It's two miles away. And then he keeps getting worse. Anybody watch the loved one pass away like that? That's not easy. And they've got questions because he never showed up. Two miles Eight minutes and 58 seconds. A lady walking leisurely, 40 minutes. A turtle eight hours. The son of God who walks on the water, we're four days in and he hasn't showed. You're frustrated. So the Jewish culture says this. When someone died, it was the practice of the people to stay in the house for 30 days and mourn. That's how we know she was mad because she was supposed to be mourning. She hears that Jesus comes. She's going to give him a what for? because she's frustrated and she's going to go right to where he's at. She's going to break tradition and she's just going to let him know he would be alive if you would have come two miles. We're four days in. Where were you? That's how she's talking to him. And here's the good news. He's not afraid of that. He's not afraid of your honesty. 70% of the Psalms David wrote, they say, I didn't research this directly, so I'm hoping it's right. But 70%, they say David wrote in times of difficulty. And if you read it, they're written in anguish. And then he ends with what? But he always ends 
realizing, but you're in charge. I just had to get that off my chest. Anybody realize that in a relationship, sometimes you just got to say it and you feel better? You just got to say it. And that's, he's not afraid of that. But she comes and she is very upset because the picture is not good, right? And watching someone die the way she did is not easy. They wait, they wait. He doesn't show. Martha has just watched her brother die bad while waiting for Jesus to make an easy 40-minute trip in just over four days. If you would have been there in tears and anguish, I think some anger and frustration, probably confusion, a lot of emotion really in that sentence. And it's okay to be honest with God. The revival that God wants to pour out in us, in you, is going to be found not in the sanctuary, it's not going to be found in the sanctuary, this building. It's going to be found in you as you go out and do what God is doing in the area. Remember, the, 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 what has been spoken is revival through what? Our area. Now, hopefully you see this. This building is not big enough for all of Lawrenceville. It's not. It's not big enough for all of Gwinnett County. Yet, those are the things that have been spoken over us. It's not about what's going to be happening in here. It's about what's going to be happening in here. And it's going to be about what you do with what's happening in here out there. That's the revival. Now, there's a clip on YouTube. And, and unfortunately, uh, they were smart here. The, the altar's too high. But the, the church thinks revival's going on. So they're preaching. And some guys, they get up and they just start running down, up and down through the aisles, right? And then the shot is, he's just running like, like a madman, right? He runs. He jumps up on the aisle. He, like, does a commando roll. And he actually falls into the baptismal, okay? But, see, here's the reality. There's a lot of churches. They look at that kind of nonsense. And they say, no, that's revival, we up running around, and God's like, no, revival is not about what happens in this four walls. It's about what happens here. And it's about what you do out there. If we're going to change this community, it's not about Sunday morning in here. It's not about Wednesday. Should you come? Yes. I pray that you get encouraged and equipped, and you come in here, and you tell stories that let us know that man, we can do that, right? I, I hope all of those things happen, but ultimately, it's going to happen in your workplaces, Right? I think we were going to come in here, yeah, we got revival, and you're going to be looking for something crazy to happen here. No. We're going to have revival, and God's looking for something crazy to happen in your workplace. Like when he says, I want you to go pray for that person. Yeah. I got a word for this person. I want you to say this. And you're like, what? Say what? Say it. In faith, believe. Be available. And if you miss it, what do we learn to disciples? He's got you covered. Just do it. Amen? The revival God wants to pour out is not going to be found in the sanctuary of this building. It's going to be found in you. Revival comes from God, but it's going to start with you. If you want to see God move in a life-changing way, if you want to experience his hand in your life, experience firsthand in your life what he's doing, you got to get out and do it. The Holy Spirit is like a donut. Matter of fact, the Hebrew word for manna is the same word that we use for Krispy Kreme. I believe that. Anybody had a Krispy Kreme? Right? Let's say that again. The Hebrew word for man is the same word we use for Krispy Kreme. Who's had a Krispy Kreme donut when the hot sign is on? Raise your hand. Okay? Now, listen. Does it melt in your mouth? It does. I mean, you have to you put it in there and it's like it goes. Right? Is it not wonderful? I, listen, 
I can, ex I can explain that to someone all day long. Until you've had one, does the description really make sense? It really doesn't. You can explain it the best you can. And then once you have one yourself, the light bulb goes off. And you're like, yes, that's what they mean when they say melt in your mouth. Right? And, and, and that's how God is. Psalm uh, 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And here's the reality. If we want revival, God is saying, then you need to experience me for yourself and stop waiting for Jeff to explain it. Stop waiting for Dustin to teach on it. Stop waiting for someone else to tell you the story that you're like, man, that's awesome. And you need to go out and you need to have one. Because here's the good news with God. The hot sign is on, hot and ready. It's on. He's saying it's on, it's open. You want to come in, walk in. There is no cover charge at a Krispy Kreme, amen? You got a buck, throw it down on the counter and get you a hot and ready and eat it and then experience firsthand how awesome it is. And then when someone explains it, you're like, yes, I know exactly what you mean. God must be experienced personally, amen? And so often the church, we want to experience him through the scriptures. That's awesome. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I love the word. And I love being with Dustin and Jeff because they love the word. But Newbridge was to be a church that married word and spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. And I love how he operates and I love how he moves and he's personal and he wants to move in your life. And I'm here to tell you, he's going to move in your life different than he moves in my life. And if you try to do it the way he does it in me, you're going to miss out altogether. You got to experience God firsthand. Revival occurs when we allow the presence and power of God, his love and grace invade us. Every aspect of our life especially those things we're holding on to that Jesus died for. Those struggles that we don't think that we can tell everybody, right? And God said, no, be honest with me. I want you to be honest with me because I'm going to invade that space and you're going to see and taste firsthand how awesome I am. Amen? Amen. Verse 22. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection in life. I'm going to say that again because this is going to be important. Jesus said, I am the resurrection in life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So here is what I think might be the most important truth from today's message as it pertains to revival. Notice Jesus said, I am the resurrection. He is the source. And he wants to invade your space. He wants to fill your life. He wants to bring life to the difficulties that you are facing right now. And here's the reality. I am so Martha oftentimes. Does she not give the safe Christian answer? He can resurrect. Yeah, he can. He'll resurrect on that day in the great by and by. Right? Is that not the safe answer? Now, listen. Are God's truths ultimately all experienced on the other side? Yes. 
The Bible makes a whole lot more sense when you have an eternal perspective. So ultimately, healing and everything is on that side of this temporary life. Are we all in agreement with that? But here's the problem. The church then just thinks, okay, it's for then. So Martha's like, yeah, he died. You didn't show up. He'll live then, but not now. This situation's too bad. It's not for me. It's not for today. And what does Jesus say? You're missing it. Yes, he will resurrect them, but I am the resurrection. I am the source, and I am here where? Right now. Notice that the very person she prayed for is now here to do something. What's she doing? She's not even ready for what he wants to do. And we're going to see just how dumb and foolish she gets. He is the resurrection. And who knows that he's here right now for your life. See, I have a feeling that there's some people who are going through some things. And you think, yeah, it'll be better there. And I just need to endure today. Yeah, no. I think he wants to invade right now. I think he wants to invade right now in those things that you've given up on, in those things that you've written off. That's revival. And he wants to bring life to those things so that you can go in and do what? Share them with what God has been doing. It's so important to be real and honest with God and with each other because Jesus is the, is the resurrection and he is saying, I am here and my power is available. Now, one of the dangers of being safe with what we believe, and that's what has happened to the church. He moves in such miraculous ways in other parts of the world. Why? Well, they're not safe. They're not safe. You want to score a touchdown from 90 yards away, I'm just here to tell you, you can't play it safe. A hand up to the fullback up the middle is safe. It rarely works in a touchdown. You have to, you got you to just have faith, right? We got to stop playing it safe. And one of the dangers is that we believe that what we begin to believe is far beneath the place where God has made available to us. You have been given so much authority. Do you understand that? I'm just here to tell you, you, everybody in here, have been given so much authority, you're not using it. We want revival. I've given you revival. You have the Holy, you have everything. What did I place in your hand, he said to Moses? Use it. You have the authority, but we do what? We play safe. We play safe and we live far beneath the place God has given us. And the tragic reality is that many Christians will leave this world spiritually broke, even though God has placed in their bank account infinite amounts of resources. We just don't use it. Just right there. You have access to it, go get it. Go get it. Verse 26, Martha says she believes Jesus can resurrect Lazarus. But if you fast forward to verse 39, and we're going to talk about this in just a second, Jesus commands the stone to be rolled away. And what does she do? She protests. She tries to stop it. Did she really believe? I believe I believe. And then verse 39, he comes and he goes, all right, roll the stone away. And Martha does what? No, 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 no. Don't roll that stone away. He stinketh is what it says in the King James. He stinketh. He says, he stinketh. You can't roll that, to, uh, that, that, that stone away. He's been dead for four days. Does she believe? Listen to me. Too many Christians know the right answers. So we say the right things. Did she not say the right thing? 
Who's got kids who say the right thing but don't do the right thing? Yeah. Oh, look, no, my kids are angels. I love you guys. Right? Who's got spouses that say the right thing but don't do the right things? No, the hands are up, right? Right? Boy, I tell you what, if you're not careful, you will put an infinite God in your tiny little box of pocket-sized theology. And I'm just telling you what, what God wants to do is not going to be accomplished by a God who fits into the pocket of my genes or your genes. I don't care how big you are. God is infinite, and you got to have the kind of faith that believes, not the kind of faith that gives the lip service because you know what to say, but you don't believe it. God does what he says he does. God is who he says he is. We can do what God says we can do. We are who God says we are. That's, that's where revival begins, when we start getting an understanding of that. When we start getting an understanding of that. If we're going to experience and steward God's revival, if we're going to experience it personally, we shouldn't protest and try to stop it. If Martha had her way, Lazarus would have never left the tomb. Jesus showed up. I want you to think about that because it's easy to miss it. Jesus shows up and he's available to do the impossible. He is willing to heal Lazarus. Now, let me ask a question. Is that not what Martha prayed for? Is that not what Martha asked for? Did Jesus not show up to do it? What does she say? No. Roll the two. Hey, roll the stone away. No, 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 no. Don't roll that away. He stinks. What, are you kidding me? You're just going to make a bad situation worse. If you'd have showed up four days ago, then you could have healed him, but you can't heal him now. See, I'm going to start putting limits on what God can do. That's not how it works. And here's the reality. Once God begins to move outside what you think he should be doing, then we find ourselves in a place where we try to stop the very thing we asked for. The very thing we prayed for, the very thing God wants to do, which, by the way, was in God's plan all along. Again, just a reminder, anybody think they're God? Then let God be God. Amen? And don't try to stop what he is wanting to do. Martha had a preconceived notion on how it was going to play out. Anybody here have a preconceived notion how God's going to show up? I'm very guilty of this. Right, we pray, we fast, we do all these things. God's going to show up this way, and this just makes so much sense if he does this. It would be awesome if he did that, right? That's how we roll. And then God says, yeah, I didn't say any of those things. That's not how I'm showing up. And then he shows up his way, and what do we do? Well, no, don't, no, we're not doing that. God, come. Come in power. Do awesome things. You got it. Well, no, don't, don't, don't do that, because that's not how I wanted you to do it. God, if, who wants God? Okay, now you can raise your hand. I'm just going to try to help you because his hand is always up. What's up? Does he want it? Does he not want it? Okay, ready? Who wants God? Raise your hand. There we go. You want God, okay? I didn't say you are God. You want God. And if you want God, you've got to be ready to let him roll the way he wants to roll. And you can't try to stop, as silly as this is, the very thing we've been praying for. Revival will happen because God's promised it. Are you going to be the person that happens in? That's the question. Don't try to stop that which God wants to start. Don't say no to that which God is saying yes.
When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews uh, who were with her were in the house consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out. And they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with him also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man also have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Martha meets Jesus frustrated. We know she's frustrated, by the way. Here's how you know. Anybody have a wife? Okay. Now, if you show up for home four days late <laughs> without doing the thing you were supposed to do, and she meets you in the driveway before you get to the house and does not, thank you, somebody said you're homeless, right? And do not, and does not greet you. Because remember, neither Mary or Martha greeted Jesus. The first thing they said is, if you would have been here, he would be alive. So that's how you know she's upset. Amen, gentlemen? Because when a woman meets you in the driveway without a greeting, it's not good. Homeless. That's right. Or couch bound. Okay? Right? But I want you to notice something. When Martha meets Jesus, she's frustrated. And she's standing. And she has a conversation. Mary comes. She's frustrated. She's the same frustrated. She experienced the same thing. She loves the brother the same amount. How does she come? Oh, she comes frustrated. She didn't greet him with a kiss. Hey, or any of that stuff. You'd have been here. He'd been alive. Where does she say it from? Look at the scripture from a position of worship. See, she fell at his feet. Listen to me. Revival is going to come, and you don't have to have the answers, and you will be frustrated. And God says, it's okay. Listen, he's not afraid of your questions. He's not like, oh, I hope he doesn't ask that one because I don't have the answer. He's just not. Oh, don't, don't go there, Christopher, because I don't really know what to say. He's got the answers. He's not afraid of your questions. Here's the deal. It's not the questions. It's where you are when you ask them. See, she came standing up. He listened. Mary comes at his feet in a position of worship. And it moved Jesus to do something. And, and here would be my just thought. When we don't understand, and I said when, the key is how we talk to God. And when you come to God in a spirit of worship, 
And his spirit says, man, I don't get what you're saying. And if you would have been here, you would have been alive. But I still bow at your feet and I still raise you up and I still acknowledge you as the king of kings. I still acknowledge you as a sovereign God. I know you're self-sustaining. There is nothing you can't do. And I don't understand it, but I will love you anyway. But I just had to get that off my chest. But I love you. And I'm going to bow down and I will worship you because you are you. And see, there's some people here that just need to worship him because he's him. Because he doesn't make sense. Because he's infinite. And we're not. And God's, we're not God. But it's good to know that he's here. Right? Revival starts here. I love Psalm 56, 8. God saves tears in a bottle. They matter. I was journaling on that. Saves tears in a bottle. And the Lord just brought um, to my mind, uh, my mom takes pictures and she's got the best photo album ever. Photo albums. I was like 12 or 13 of them. And I tell you what, my parents were concerned, right? Is we want to leave a, uh, an inheritance for our kids and our grandkids, right? And, and I remember I just told my mom, you don't understand. My kids could care less about, you know what my kids love? Those photo albums. Because photo albums tell a story, true or false. The pictures that you put in a photo album matter because they tell a story. They're important. So you take a million pictures, and if you're Michelle, you take 10 million pictures. Okay? That's what she does. She takes 10 million, and then she doesn't even know where to start, and she gets stretched, stressed out, but she then goes through it, and she finds the ones that matter, and if you got someone as awesome as my mom, she puts them in a photo album, and you flip through, and it tells a story, and God says, your tears tell a story, and they matter to me, because listen, life's difficulties, do they not define who you are? Those troubles that you don't want to come to God, he's like, man, I do see those. I save your tears. They mean something to me. And you are who you are because of those tears. And your story is what it is because of those tears. It's who you are. Listen, I am defined by the mistakes and the difficulties way more than I am on the other stuff. Life's lessons are learned best under difficult situations. I just think you have to, that's a fact. It just really is. God's tears, your tears matter to God. So he's moved by her tears. He's moved because she's in a position of worship. If you're going to experience personal revival, if we're going to be stewards of all that God desires to pour out here at Newbridge, it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to have questions. Again, you're not going to stump God but let's make sure we bring them to God in a spirit of worship. But we just say, God, you're God, and I love you no matter what because of who you are. You're the source. Do not underestimate the power of worship. Our self-sustaining God requires nothing, and his sovereign power needs no assistance. Yet, he chooses to allow our worship to be part of his process. Who thinks that's good news? Your worship gets to be part of the process, not because he needs it, but because he wants you to be part of it. And as I was just pondering on that, who here has little kids? Anybody have a little kid who wants to help? How does that go? I mean, listen, maybe some of you dads are better than me. Sometimes I just don't want the help because it's just going to be too much work. 
right? So I'm like, yeah, no. And I, and I push him along. Here's the deal. God's not me, thank God. Because he's awesome. And here's what he realizes. A kid wants nothing more than to be with dad as he's doing something or to be with mom when she's doing something. And yes, it takes more effort. And yes, it takes more time. And yes, it's a bigger mess. And no, they don't need you. It's not for you. It's for who? It's them. Does a kid not bond and feel like so close to their dad when they're doing something with them? So what's a good dad do? Well, he budgets five hours for an hour project right? Or he creatively finds something that makes the child feel like they're part of what's God doing. Because listen to me, and I just want you to just close your eyes for a second. I want you to think about that time you did that for your kid and you saw the look of accomplishment on their face as they're like, man, I did that with my dad. I did that with my dad, right? That's what God wants you to be able to do. I did that with my God. He wants you to be part of it, not because he needs you, because he loves you and he wants you to feel his presence. Just like a dad lets a little kid help in the shop. Not because he needs him, but because the child needs him. We need God. And in his love and in his mercy, he says, man, I got all eternity. Let's work together. Let's do this together. He does work through our worship. Isn't that cool? Final thought. Before Lazarus left the tomb, before the resurrection power was experienced, a stone needed to be rolled away. Ironically, before Jesus was resurrected, a stone needed to be rolled away. See, I believe there may be some stones that need to be rolled away in our lives. At the end of the service today, we'll give you some chance maybe to come up here because I just think there's probably some stones that are keeping you from receiving the resurrection power that God wants to do in your life. God does want a revival, but there may be some stones. What do those stones look like? Unbelief. I think some of us have been taught some bad theology, some misguided theology. I think it's just a better word. Misguided. God is big. No one's got all, listen, no denomination, no man has all the answers. I just, I don't want to bash denominations because no one's got it, right? No one has all the answers. So there's misguided stuff and we believe things and we put God in our little box and God's like, man, you need to lay, lay some of those things down. I want to roll the stone. I want to do something big, but you got to get those things out of the way. So he says, roll the stone away. So in a second, we'll give you a chance to maybe seek the Holy Spirit and ask him, what are some things that are keeping you from receiving the revival God wants to do in your life? Because remember, when revival's preached over here, listen, I hope. Again, I don't want to put God in my box either. But I hope it's not Dustin running down this thing and trying to do a commando roll on the stage. I just hope it's not. It'd be funny to see him not make it, like hit the thing and plop down. I would, I would like to see that. That'd be a good human video. That'd be a good like, YouTube video. I just hope it's not that. I hope we have great worship and lively worship. I hope we worship with everything that we got because worship's important. And I, I hope the word gets preached and it moves us and we hallelujah and we amen. And I hope that we enjoy coming together. And I hope this place is just packed. I hope so. But I hope it's packed with people who are excited to say, this is what God's doing in my life outside. And this is what God is doing in my life right here. And this is where I'm at. And I can't get enough of the scripture. And I've stopped doing this, not because I have to, but because I got too much time doing this. And there's no more time for that. That there's a revival in your hearts. 
and it's being seen by out there. And then we come here to do what? Celebrate and worship God for it. Wouldn't that be an awesome Sunday service? Let's just worship God for what he's doing in our lives, for what he's doing in this community through you. Because he needs you? Because like a good father, he just wants you to feel part. There's some stones that need to be rolled away. So let's finish it. If we can get the musicians to maybe come up and some music, that would be great. Verse 41. So they took away the stone and Jesus lift up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But I said this on the account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out and his hands and feet were bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, to them, unbind him and let them go. And many of the Jews, therefore, had come with Mary and seen what he did, and they believed in him. What's revival? I believe revival right there. Lazarus was a dead man. Did God not revive him? Did he not bring him back to life? And I think there's some people in here that maybe have just been spiritually dead. You just haven't been excited about God or the things of God or even what doing. You've just kind of gotten in the, um, the routine of life. Who knows that the routine of life can just be so dangerous? You just start doing it. Anybody been in the car and you just got somewhere and you're like, man, I don't even know how I got here. I mean, you weren't asleep, yet dangerously you were somehow what? Asleep, right? Your eyes were open, but you weren't even paying attention. You just were in like cruise control and autopilot, and you you missed out on everything that was going on around you, right? I believe that there's the body, the church, that's where the church is. And God is saying, Jesus is saying, let's roll that stone away, and I want to wake you up. Because revival is happening in you. The resurrection is about what I want to do in you. Yes, there's the resurrection that leads to eternal life that Jesus did. Amen? Who's happy with that? But I believe he's saying, you can have stuff right now today. If you would just allow the stones to be rolled away, I'm going to bring you to life. And I'm going to bring some things I want to do in your life to life. Because I have to? No. Because I want to. Because I need you? Because you need me.